Hello and welcome. This is Parenting for the Everyday. I'm Becca Alvarez. And I'm Holly Dyke Andrew. We are two moms currently down in the trenches of parenthood. We want to create a community of support and encouragement as we set out to find the answers to the parenting questions that everyone is asking. From the easy stuff to the hard stuff, we want to talk about it all. And today we are talking about healthy eating. And we have in the studio today, Kim Davis. Kim, tell us who you are, about your family, and what you do. Okay. Thanks so much for having me. I appreciate you asking me here. Um, uh, my husband's name is John. We've been married for a little over 21 years. Uh, we have three kids, ages 12, 9, and six and a half, um, two girls and a boy. Um, pertinent to today, I guess, I have my Bachelor's of Science in Exercise Science and Kinesiotherapy from the University of Toledo. I'm a certified personal trainer through the American Council on Exercise. Um, a little over 15 years I've been doing that, and I currently work with clients in their homes or senior living facilities wherever um, they are residing. And I guess just a quick disclaimer before we get started from me that I don't have a medical degree, so um, please check with your doctor before making any major changes to your diet. Um, and I guess a second disclaimer, maybe even more important, is I am not perfect in any of these areas <laughs> that we're going to talk about today. So it's all about progress and not perfection, and I'm still growing in these areas, so we're all constantly learning. Yeah, I think this is such an important topic. Uh, being a, a new year, there's a lot of new resolutions and new uh, goals, and a lot of those sometimes center around eating uh, for ourselves as adults and parents. But then also, it brings the question of like with our kids, what kind of habits are we putting in our kids? Are we doing it right? Are we messing them up? All the things. So we thought this is a great space to to dive into some of them. Um, so I guess the first main question would be: Why are healthy eating habits important? Why does it matter? Um, so healthy eating habits are important. I like to explain it kind of like a car. Um, if you get a new car and you get, do regular maintenance on it, you get the oil changes when they're due, you put the right kind of gas in the car, uh, you get the tires rotated and aligned when it's due, it'll last much longer. And it's really the same thing with our bodies. We get um, one body, and um, so the better we take care of it, the better things that we put in it. Uh, the longer it's going to last. And it's kind of neat. I have a unique perspective um, seeing the clients that I do that um, those in their 80s and 90s who have taken really good care of their bodies for a long time, they've exercised, they have many less health, health challenges in their older years mm. than people who have not, um, haven't taken as good care of their bodies, not eaten as well. Um, they have many more health challenges later in life. Like Holly was saying, I have been so excited about this topic <laughs> because I think that healthy eating is so just important. Um, my son is 14 months old, and so we recently entered into solid food territory, and I immediately felt lost. So even as we're saying healthy eating habits, tell us a little bit more about what that means. Is that like vegetables and servings? Is that portion size? What does healthy eating habits entail? Yes. Um, so we all know that food is needed for different functions of the body, for growth and for healing. Um, but the food types are generally classified into five categories. You have carbohydrates, dairy, proteins, vegetables, and fruit. And each type is needed in balanced amount. I mean, we even need fats in our diet, which is good news for Amen. some of us. <laughs> Um, and each of our bodies have daily needs, um, which differs uh, based on our age, on our height, sex, dietary restrictions, if you have allergies, if you have uh, chronic diseases, something like diabetes, um, that's going to change. Uh, now, there are RDA charts for each of these categories based on your age and sex that you can look up. 
Uh, but basically, a balanced diet consists of choices from those five categories, but there's no one size fits all. Um, for example, my husband is six foot three, he's a male. Um, I am five foot six, uh, female, I'm lactose intolerant. So we're going to have totally different dietary needs. If I eat what he eats on a daily basis, I am not going to be healthy and vice versa. If he eats uh, what I eat, then he's going to be lacking in some areas. So, um, you know, there's no one size fits all, but, but definitely portion control is part of this. Um, and knowing portions can be really helpful and it's often surprising. You know, if you ever look at a box, a cereal box, and you're, you have this huge bowl of cereal in front yeah. of you, and you look at the serving, and it's like, uh, the serving was three-fourths of a cup, <laughs> and I have this enormous bowl in front of me. Um, you know, a three-ounce serving of meat is about the size of a deck of cards. Um, a cup of vegetables is about the size of your closed fist. Um, or two tablespoons of salad dressing is like the size of a golf ball. So once you know these portion sizes, you can kind of keep that in the back of your mind, then they can really help. Well, I'm immediately thinking when I go to a restaurant and if I were to get a serving like that, I'd be like, uh, excuse me, like where's the rest <laughs> right, of my meal right. here? Yeah. And so even that, I'm already learning like that our culture, maybe in our society mm-hmm. is way off on what balanced and healthy actually really looks like. Definitely. Mm-hmm. Yep. I think the other thing that is complicated with building healthy eating habits in your kids is that I, for one, am often in like a bit of a rush when I'm preparing food for my child. It's often I've waited too long. We're against a timer. I've got a fussy toddler. And so I'm trying to do things quickly. And a lot of foods that are quickly prepared may not be the healthiest or at least the least processed. What advice would you give a mom like me? (laughs) (laughs) Um, I think planning is a big thing for that. The more that you can plan ahead, the better. And I know that can be hard, but finding a time where you can sit down, maybe it's a Sunday night and you plan your week ahead because I I get that. You know, it's like get home from wherever you are. The kids are hungry. They're trying to snack. You're just trying to get some a meal made. And it's like, I don't even know what I'm going to make by the time I get home. And so if you can plan ahead, the more that you can do that, maybe set a night of the week to plan the week ahead and maybe even do your your shopping ahead of time and have the, um, or maybe even prepare some things ahead of time that can help a ton. So speaking of like the preparing, I think one practical question to ask is is how much protein and vegetables should my kids be eating? I know that it depends on uh, size and gender, especially in adults. Is there kind of a general frame for most average kids? This is kind of a healthy place to stay at. Yeah. Um, so dietary protein contains what's called amino acids, which uh, our bodies need to produce enzymes and hormones and build muscle tissue and skins and bones and transport nutrients. So protein is super important. Um, we're always telling our kids, have protein with that, have protein with that, because they don't aren't, you know, necessarily drawn to getting protein with things. Um, But kids actually require more protein per pound of their body weight than adults need. Um, And that just supports their faster growth rate because they're growing a lot faster than than we are. We're not really growing in the way that they are. Um, So would you say, just I want to make sure I'm understanding, would you even say maybe uh, protein is maybe even, in my mind, I'm thinking healthy eating is my kids need a lot of vegetables. And you're saying, of course, they need vegetables, Mm -hmm. but really protein is what's important. Yes. Okay. For sure. Um, Yeah. And so, and you can look up all the charts on the ages, but basically um, age one to three, they need about 13 grams per day. Ages four to eight, they need about 19 grams per day. And then you can see a big jump here between ages nine to 13, they need 34 grams a day of protein. 
And then age 14 to 18 for girls, 46 grams protein per day and 52 grams for boys. And so to give you a comparison on this, the adult male needs 56 grams per day and female adults need 46 grams per day. So we're really, as adult females, we're really even with ages 14 to, 16, 14 to 18 year old females as well. Um, and then if you have a pregnant or lactating mom, 71 grams oh of protein my. a day. <laughs> I'm so deficit. So, <laughs> yes. So when you really look at those numbers, um, it really is like, oh, my goodness. And if your kids are super active, they say that for every level of activity, then they should increase by 0.8 grams of protein per kilogram of body weight. So if you have kids that are involved in a bunch of sports, then you need to increase that protein even more. Um, and so I think it can feel overwhelming, like, oh, my goodness, am I getting enough protein? Are my kids getting enough protein? Um, but if a quick search online, you know, and you can find some of the best uh, sources of protein, like one large egg is six grams of protein. Um, a two tablespoons of peanut butter, eight grams of protein. That's why we're always like, you want an apple? Great. Put a couple te- tablespoons of, okay. yeah, of peanut butter in there and dip that in there. Um, uh, about three-quarter cup of non-fat Greek, Greek yogurt is 17 grams of protein. So when you just start to look at things, Greek yogurt, cottage cheese, peanut butter, nuts, these things have protein in them. So if you add that to a, a normal snack and you can really, you know, beef up the protein. Man, I'm so glad you just addressed that because in my head, I'm just like, meat, meat. meat. That's exactly, I was about to say, oh, I was thinking meat. You just yeah. opened the door up. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's so good to know because especially with a young relatively small toddler. Um, He is picky in different ways. I mean, he's great and a great eater, but I don't want to just be shoving meat down his throat. So I think it's great to have some different snacks that would be more applicable to him, especially as he's getting older. Yep. And then with vegetables, um, there's really no like definitive answer um, to how many portions of fruits and vegetables that kids should eat each day. Again, it depends on their age and their size, their appetite, activity level, but there are recommendations um, so if you consider a serving of vegetables to be like a half a cup of chopped vegetables or one cup of leafy greens is about one serving. Um, and so the American Academy of Pediatrics recommend that for toddlers or preschoolers, so your little one, um, that they eat one to two servings of vegetables a day. And then older children and adolescents should aim for three to five servings of vegetables okay. per day. And remember, a serving is a half a cup of like chopped veggies or a cup of green uh, leafy vegetables. And this kind of surprised me that the CDC recently did a study that approximately 60% of kids don't eat enough fruit and almost 93% don't eat enough vegetables. So I don't know. That, that's kind of how it's is always been in our household. Time to ask if ketchup is a vegetable, <laughs> as it may or may not be in my house. Right. I'm just wondering um, how uh, wide does that range fall? Um, that actually like transitions into a great other question that we have of like, with that being kind of a lot of vegetables in my head, is it okay to hide vegetables and things like zucchini brownies? Or I see a lot of posts of like veggie pasta and veggie bites Ah, and all this stuff that tastes good and have a lot of veggies. Yeah. Um, I think that putting healthy foods in other foods is okay. Um, zucchini or like black beans and brownies, uh, pureed bananas and pancakes, things like that are are good. Now kids are pretty in tune and they can be they can kind of sniff that out sometimes and be like, wait a second, this doesn't taste the same. But I think that if you can um, do it without 
lying to our kids yeah. and just be cool about it and say, hey, isn't this cool how great this tastes and it's got vegetables in it or or wasn't it fun to try this new thing and it, this one, you know, this thing is healthy for us. Um, now, some experts caution that if you do this, you could miss the opportunity for them to really taste and experience mm. what um, that healthy food is and decide mm. if they like it or not because it's disguised. Um, but I think as long as you also include introducing those foods outside of just the hidden ones, then then go for it. I love what you said, um, even the notion about, like, like, let's not lie to our kids. So mm-hmm. can you present it of, hey, we wanted to eat more vegetables today, and this was a fun new way to try ve- this vegetable. We tried it this way. Let's try it this way. Um, but trying it in both ways and just being honest as to why we're having it in a brownie and why that matters and why it's important. Yep, uh, exactly. I like that you said that. Um, what do you do with picky eaters? So if you have a kid who's like, I will not touch anything green, do you have any <laughs> practical <laughs> tips or tricks to maybe helping move that along. Yeah. Um, so I think first know that um, often it's just a phase. Um, remember that kids think about food differently than we do. You know, we're looking at it as fuel for our bodies, and we got to have that balance, and let's get it from all of these five categories. Um, but kids just typically eat for taste. If it looks weird, if it smells weird, if it has a strange name, um, or it could just be that it's because it's a Wednesday, and they're like, I'm just not eating this. So it's, it's going to be okay. Um, and then I think second, remember that you're not alone. Um, take the pressure off yourself that you've done something wrong with your kids that, you know, oh, have, have I missed something? Have I done something wrong? You know, it's easy to compare ourselves to other kids, um, other parents who have kids that maybe it, their favorite food is avocado toast and calamari and, yeah. and sushi. And you're like, oh, my gosh, like <laughs> my kid has, you know, won't eat anything except chicken nuggets and, and pizza. So it's okay. It's it's likely that they will try more things the older that they get. Um, and it's not a reflection on you as a parent. Um, my mother-in-law tells a story about when my sister-in-law was little and she went through a phase where she would only eat man- mandarin oranges for like a month straight. <laughs> and like, she's fine. She grew up to be a very healthy adult and she doesn't just eat mandarin oranges anymore. Um, you know, you can always check with your doctor if you have concerns, if they're just like eating one thing, but if they're growing okay and the doctor's not concerned, then just, you know, just keep moving forward. Um, you know, you can be a good example. If you try new things, they're likely to try new things as well. Um, you can make trying new things fun, you know, pancakes in a certain shape or, um, you know, I read a study that they did about kids and they gave them uh, the choice of either broccoli or chocolate bars. And not surprisingly, like 78% of the little kids chose the chocolate bars. And then they did the same study and they put Elmo stickers on the packages for the broccoli and some like not recognizable character on the chocolate. And 50% of the kids chose the broccoli the second time around. So it goes to show you that that's why you go to the store and you see, you know, waffles or, or vegetables with these characters on the packaging because it does make a difference. So if you have a super picky eater, you can try fun things, you know, put it in a little, you know, baggie with a sticker on it or something like that, you know, get creative. Um, but make it make it fun. Um, and in my experience, you just you choose your battles, right? And so you just don't push it. A lot of times, if they won't try something, um, and you're pushing it, it just makes everybody miserable. So 
try and remember those things. Um, and then sometimes, too, if they're involved in the cooking of the dinner, um, if they get to choose, you know, hey, I'm an, I'd like to make this or this tonight for dinner. Why don't you choose which one we have? And then would you like to prepare the corn or something yeah. like that? Then they feel involved and they may be more likely to eat. Two things, too, that stuck out to me that you said. One was that comparison, which we talk about this all the time, is dangerous. And so when you're saying, oh, you know, so-and-so's kid eats this and mine doesn't, uh, that's a trap. Yes. And then also that just because they don't like it today doesn't mean they won't. And so like it forever. That, yes. that was huge for me of just let's keep trying it. I know yep. that you said you didn't like broccoli, but every meal we have broccoli, we're going to take one bite and just confirm <laughs> or deny how we feel about broccoli. Yeah. So yeah. that is practical for me. They say that it takes 10 times for kids to try something before they really decide if they like it or not. Oh, so, mm-hmm. All right. Yep. We're having broccoli so. tonight. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I saw somewhere that when you're introducing new foods for kids that you have a couple like familiar favorites and then something new and then yep. you just keep kind of trying to introduce that, which I think is really interesting. I feel like eating sometimes can end up in a bit of a power struggle too between parent and child. Kind of like what you were saying, if you're introducing something new and, they, and they're rejecting it, and then it becomes this, like, who's going to win? Um, how do you – I guess how do you go about that? Because I also feel like food is just a really sensitive thing, and it can go deep as far as, like, function or dysfunction, and those roots can start early too. So how do you walk those lines of power struggle, wanting to – implement healthy habits and not wanting to kind of go walk down this maybe more dysfunctional road of food also. Yeah. And that can be tricky um, because, again, you feel like, you know, as adults, we look at food in a different way and we're mm-hmm. like, if you don't eat, like you're not going to grow and you need these these different, this variety of food and you need this food for fuel for your body. Um, and sometimes it's a kid is having a really bad day. And if they, you know, it, you choose your battle. Mm-hmm. And if it's not worth it that day, then you just let it go and you keep going. And um, because you're right, we can, we are um, setting up habits that our kids will carry on really into adulthood. And a lot of times you have, um, you'll find that people, the food as an adult that they just won't eat is because they were made to eat it as a kid. And so we want to be careful not to, um, you know, the, the reward comes with like the clean plate club. Right. But then the experts say that what that's doing is teaching kids that you don't stop eating when you're full, that you eat until yeah. that plate is clean and then you get a reward for doing that. And so that's setting up some really kind of damaging habits that we can carry in adulthood. Yeah, I think I would um, ask you to expand just on the idea of like being a role model. Like we're kind of getting into that territory of the habits that we have and how does that affect the, the habits that we're trying to build in our kids? Yeah, it's it's so important. Um, and children learn fast and they learn the best by example. So if we teach children habits that will um, help keep them healthy for life, then, you know, those are good habits. Um, in, in general, if your child is like elementary age or younger and you have weight concerns about them, don't talk about it. Just start making that lifestyle change as a family. Um, the best thing that you can do is to make it easy for kids to eat smart and to move on. Um, serve regular, balanced family meals and and snacks um, as often as you can. You're never going to be perfect in that. Um, and look for ways to spend fun, active time together, um, you know, making yeah. meals and healthy snacks together. Um, but if you you need to set a good example in your own habits because kids notice, um, you know, and 
it's it can also be hard to to get too wrapped up in that um, to think put that pressure on ourselves because we know that they're going to carry these habits into adulthood and we don't want to set them up for things like eating disorders and things like that um, we can feel a lot of pressure so relax and remember that there's balance in everything mm-hmm. again you're not going to get it right every time um, and I highly recommend balance you know if it's a Friday night and it's been a great week for everybody and um, you're just excited about the weekend and you know that chick-fil-a has their peppermint chip milkshakes that are available, (laughs) then you pack up that car and you go to Chick-fil-A and the family can celebrate with some milkshakes. You don't do that every night, but you do that in moderation and show kids that it's okay to have, you know, to have some exciting times. Oh, let's celebrate and have a milkshake together as a family. Um, But you just do it in moderation. And so there's that balance. I love that you're speaking so much about balance because I do think that that's so important. When your kids are in a phase when they're just snackers and maybe Mm -hmm. like grazers and not full meal eaters, um, do you limit snacks? Do you ever limit snacks? And when when do you do that? (laughs) Yep. Um, It depends. Um, And I remember when our kids were younger that they went through some of those phases where they were just grazers. And it's like, I don't know if you've had like a full meal in in days or weeks even. It's just they're just kind of grazing all day. Um, But, you know, it depends. So in our house, we try and limit the sugary or the really high-calorie snacks. Do we have those? Yes, we do. Um, But, again, it's all in moderation. Um, And a basic rule in our house that we try and – you know, go by is you can have a snack between breakfast and lunch because kids are growing and they're active. And, you know, if it's you have breakfast and lunch is hours away, they are probably going to get hungry in there. Um, And then we so one between breakfast and lunch, a snack between lunch and dinner. And then we just kind of gauge how it goes after dinner if they have like a treat or not. Um, And we try to mostly choose healthy snacks. Um, But again, if they're being extra active, if we have one of our kids, um, our nine-year-old, like she would she would choose broccoli over ice cream. That's just her. And so she's she'll say, can I have the blueberries? Sure, you can have blueberries. Can I next she wants some, you know, broccoli or edamame? Like she just wants those vegetables like all day long. And so I may not limit those types of snacks Mm -hmm. unless it's close to a meal. I'll probably let her have those. Um, if they're being, if it's an extra active day, um, then sure, they could have extra snacks in there. Um, but it's, it's hard as parents too, because we want to give our kids everything that Mm -hmm. they want and we want them to be happy. Um, but with, I mean, childhood obesity and things like type two BD, type two diabetes in young, it's getting younger and younger. Um, it is our responsibility as the parent to, um, do what we can at home to to help those situations not get worse. Um, and it may just take limiting or not bringing those foods into your house at all. You know, if you have uh, trouble with kids who throw a fit when they don't get that sugary snack, and maybe you just kind of set up habits um, and you'd like to change that, maybe just don't bring those foods into the house at all. It may eliminate that struggle. Um, but again, we're helping to set them up for snacking and eating habits that they'll likely take into adulthood with them. Um, and each each child has different needs, um, and you can monitor that with your the help of a pedi- pediatrician too. Um, but like our 12-year-old is, um, she eats lunch at school at 10.30 oh. in the morning. So, so really? Yeah. yeah. 
So when she gets home at 3.30, she's super hungry. Um, It just, for her, um, she's growing like crazy right now, and she has a really low BMI. It's just, um, she's in a big growth spurt. And so if she wants a little extra snack, then I let her because she could, she needs to add on a little bit of muscle. And so that's when we bring that protein in. Like, how would you have a hard-boiled egg with that or some, you know, a couple scoops of peanut butter with the apple, things like that. So you really have to, it's per kid. Um, can be different in the same, even in the same household, but whatever works best for your family and and um, each kid. Yeah, I just, I love the practicality of even saying like, here's a snack box that you can have one. You can get something once or twice out of here today, yep. and then here in this drawer in the fridge, we have fruits and veggies and like. So whenever you're hungry, go ahead. You can get some carrots, get yep. some celery, get some blueberries, um, and that feels. Not as much like a power struggle, like even Mm -hmm. like we were talking about. Yes, if you're hungry, get a snack. But here's the limitations, the healthy limitations that we've put on you. Yeah. I think it's setting kids up for success, too, even by giving them those choices. But you know all those choices are good choices because you're the one that's stocking the drawer or, you know, wherever they can get their snacks from. That also brings up a good point as far as sometimes sugary ultra-processed foods are cheaper. So can you eat healthy when you're on a budget? Yeah, most definitely. Um, And we talked a little bit about this before, but a few tips um, for eating healthy on a budget is um, the first one is plan your meals. We talked about all that that already. Um, Planning is kind of your first line of defense when it comes to saving money at the grocery store. Um, Spend a little bit of time and do some research and plan. Um, and then once you've completed your meal plan for the week, then only buy what's on your grocery list. Oh, and that's geez. extremely hard. Yeah. <laughs> yep. You head to the grocery store, but try your best not to vary from that list. And I think um, a lot of stores now have the order online and yeah. pick it up. And that can really help with budgeting, too. Um, you just put in what you need, and you're not at the store grabbing all the extra things that you don't need, which makes the price go up. Um, also cooking at home versus eating out and it's hard because we're busy and it's, you know, the kids are ready to eat and it's sometimes easy to just say, let's just order something or let's just go out to eat. Um, but eating out is more expensive and also eating out, you don't always know what's going into those meals. And so cooking at home can be healthier because you know what's going, you know, into the meals, you know what you're putting into it. Um, buying in bulk helps, um, especially meats. Um, you can get, you know, a large thing of chicken breasts at, at bulk stores and split those up and freeze some. Um, you can also take that bulk food and make it ahead of time and then freeze, you know, make it, freeze it, and that way it's it's ready to go. Um, freeze your leftovers. Um, when I was pregnant with our third, I did that. And for every dinner that we had um, while we were, you know, waiting for, for him to be born, um, every dinner I would make a double portion and I would freeze that second portion. And then we had it once he was born, it was easy to just pull out the frozen meal and make it real quick. Um, and that saves money too, because it's, you put in the investment at first, but you can buy more things like buy in bulk and then you can freeze that and it's ready to go. So it saves you time and money in the long run. Um, And you can also try and buy store brands. You know, we can get really fixated on, well, this is the brand that I like, and I'm not trying another brand, right? The the name brands per se. But a lot of times the store brands are just as good or or even better, um, and they often cost less. So, so you don't have to break the bank to eat well. Um, there's many ways to eat these nutrient-rich foods, even on a tight budget. 
Um, and remember that highly processed foods, sometimes they um, actually cost more, so they cost you twice. You're paying more um, at the beginning, and then it can that increased sodium and sugar can lead to various health conditions, and so that costs you down the line mm-hmm. um, in your health. So just remember that even if eating healthy was more expensive, though it doesn't have to be, it would still be worth it down the line uh, because you really can't put a price on your health. Yeah. And that's such a good point. And Kim, something that I've just loved so much about everything that you've said is really looking towards that long game, you know, creating habits and creating things that maybe are more difficult on the front end as far as planning and investment, but but it pays off so much just in that long run with your kids, with yourself, with your family. Yep. Yeah. I, one of the takeaways for me is just uh, it's a discipline. You know, like muscles are built um, with anything else that we do. It's this discipline of building those ha- healthy habits and uh, modeling them and doing them with your kids. So for me, I don't love vegetables, but wh- I want to go home and I want to say, hey, I don't love broccoli. But let's see. Let's try it some different ways. Do you want to cook it with me tonight? Because I know that my body could really uh, benefit from having this. And so even walking them through this journey um, – together, I think then ultimately sets them up kind of for success down the road. So that was, that was impactful for me. So we really appreciate you being here and taking the time. Uh, We're really grateful for this. This has been Parenting for the Everyday. Tune in next time.